Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale, and in this week's episode, my guest is Sarah from The Curd Nerd. Well, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with The Curd Nerd, and they've been in business for now for a year. It's a cheese sh- It's the only cheese shop in Syracuse, and they're, in my opinion, they're so important for our local food scene because not only is it now our area's first cheese shop, but it's a business that has this really passionate owner. You'll hear, hear more about Sarah's passion and dedication uh, to her craft here in the podcast, but um, Syracuse needs more artisans and in the food and beverage world, and Sarah is that. And uh, in my opinion, having the curd nerd and this like dedicated, knowledgeable cheese expert opening up the shop in Syracuse is so explosive for our food scene because I think it it, they're doing well, and I think that that proves to people that you can be really hyper-focused on one thing that you're really good at, and there's space for it to succeed, to get support and make money here in our food scene. And so I think that's really important. I'm really thrilled that they exist. And uh, yeah, and so we've done some events with Sarah and the Curtner in the past. They're on the Eat Local New York card, which is awesome because you can stop in there right after you listen to this podcast and and support them and save some money while you're doing it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to have Sarah on the podcast this week. I know you're going to enjoy hearing her story and, and listening to our conversation. Uh, part of our conversation, things I was talking about last week in the intro, and that is, you know, listen, chat GPT and, and, and or AI and specifically chat GPT and, um, and how it can really help, uh, local business. It can help anybody, but it can help specifically our local restaurant scene and um, or restaurant owners in general. I've been using ChatGPT over the past you know couple of weeks to do such so many tasks um, and, and and work on things for me that I've been wanting to do for so long um, and, you know it, like improving the SEO on our website and uh, writing really detailed and lengthy descriptions here for the podcast because I know it sounds crazy I know it sounds silly, but I sit down to, write the podcast notes out, uh, for each episode. And I just, it's like draining. It's, it's after I've spent, you know, a couple hours editing the podcast. The last thing I want to do is spend another hour typing out all of this information and chat GPT has really been able to do such a better job than I ever could and do it in such a much faster time than I ever could. Um, I've had it help with responding to customers on social media and write captions for me for posts. And it's just, I, I write sales emails. I cannot explain the importance of this thing. As a matter of fact, you know, as many of you know, I'm connected to the bar out of Abbott Farms. And I just had it create our cocktail menu with names and recipes. And, you know, I sat down and I said, I'm, I'm a part of an attraction-based farm in upstate New York that focuses on these crops Here's a list of all the ingredients that we have at our disposal, and I need uh, five cocked. I need a cocktail menu with five cocktails on it for spring. And bam! Not only did I have cocktails that were named appropriately, like uh, there's a farmhouse fizz and farmer's nightcap were the names that it came up with, but just these wonderful drink recipes, and it just it's it's massively impressive. I can actually input my costs on an item for every ingredient and have it tell me what my price should be at. I mean, it's just, I can't get over it. So I mentioned last week in the intro, I wrote an ebook about how 
chat GPT and AI can help restaurants uh, succeed. And so, you know, we have, I'm going to put the link for that uh, ebook here in the show notes, and I'm going to give you 20% off when you go and buy it. Use code EATLOCALPODCAST at checkout and save 20% off off this ebook. But if really specifically, if you need, if you're looking for um, help, you know, consulting and how training education and how you can utilize ChatGBT specifically for your restaurant, your marketing, your business life, your, your whatever, reach out to me. I'd be glad to sit down and help you out with it. Uh, send me an email, anthonyeatlocalnewyork.com. I do want to talk about our sponsor for the Eat Local New York podcast, and I'm thrilled to have them on board. I was just talking with somebody this week uh, at a lunch meeting. They were asking me about the podcast. And I was saying, you know, things are going great. We, we just brought on this new sponsor with Brown Carbonic, and I was telling them all about Brown Carbonic because, you know, Brown Carbonic is relatively new to me. I knew they existed. I didn't know how great they were until about a month ago, and... As I'm sitting there talking to this restaurant owner about Brown Carbonic, they're like, why are you telling me all about them? It's like, well, they're this new sponsor, and I think it's awesome, all the stuff that they offer. He's like, yeah, we've been using them for years. Uh, so maybe they're new to me and not new to you, but if they are new to you, you should be working with them. They offer so many different things for restaurants and bars and breweries and, and food and beverage operations and really specifically, if you're a brewery owner, bar owner, drafts, you know, you have drafts up and you're looking for nitrogen, CO2, Brown Carbonic is your solution. If you're looking for craft beverages, you want to get away from like the massive global companies and you want to support a local business like we all should be, Brown Carbonic. Uh, I want you to reach out to them. Please let them know that you heard about them on the Eat Local New York podcast. Their phone number is 315-454-3591. I'm going to put all the description all the links, all the website, email, all that kind of stuff in the show notes. But make sure you're supporting local and use Brown Carbonic for any of your craft beverages, nitrogen, CO2, ice, the list goes on. Support local, support Brown Carbonic. All right, without further ado, let's get into this week's podcast. It's my conversation with Sarah from The Curd Nerd. Yeah, do you wish that your family was le had been less supportive of you going into cheese? No, uh, I think that they were just the right amount of supportive but critical. <laughs> uh, I think I needed a little bit of like, are you sure you want this? Uh, yeah. To some degree, because it was a really quite a big life switch. Yeah. I'd wanted to be a doctor since I was like eight. That's what. What field was it going to be? What part? What? Trauma surgery. Wow. Was my preferred. Uh, track since I was like maybe 12 mm. uh, up until I was like 21 when I decided I was going to go into cheese. Are your are your parents in, to, in medicine? My mom is a nurse. She's a uh, at-home wound care specialist. Uh, so she does like home health care mm. uh, for people who have like particularly bad wounds. Wow. Yeah. And so um, I grew up with that my whole life. My dad is a custom upholsterer, so he makes furniture. So very, very different. Yeah. Man, that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and how did they feel when you were since 12 saying you wanted to be a doctor? Oh, they were like so proud. They were always like doctors, lawyers, engineers. This is great. My brother <laughs> uh, was like, I'm going to be an engineer. I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. They were like, this is the best thing ever. They're like, this is the American dream, baby. We, we live a nice life. We have a house. Our kids are going to become engineers and doctors. Uh, my brother is an engineer, though. So thank God someone someone stuck with the plan. 
That's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, we've got our first these four months, and I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't know, what do I, like, you know, I'm, I, I keep a journal, so every now and then again, I write to him and I record like podcasts to him. And I'm thinking, you know, when he's like 30, maybe I'll give, you know, he'll get those. Uh, and so I'm like writing them. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, do I want to tell him to like chase his dreams and, you know, go after, you know, do whatever you want, take risks. Or do I want to tell him, go get a secure job. Go be safe. (laughs) I think my parents did a nice mix of both of like, they wanted me, my mom has wanted to be a nurse her entire life. Like she came out the womb wanting to be a nurse. And she was always like a big workaholic big like loves what she does and so like I got to grow up seeing that mm-hmm. uh, and I just think my parents pushed this idea of like you are great at so many things and you could be great at so many things mm. your choice is what you want to be great at mm. uh, and like obviously they fostered I mean my brother and I were both just like very good in school like annoyingly smart little children I can't even imagine how annoying we were when we were young um and so I'm sure for them they were just like oh great this is what they're good at this is what they love we'll foster this yeah uh, I don't think they were really expecting me to come back from like the top SUNY school uh and be like I'm gonna be a cheesemonger uh I think that was like probably the biggest uh switch I could have given them I've heard the story because you know you told it on Steven's podcast but you were in college for <laughs> pre-med, right, yeah. or whatever yeah. it was, and you joined a cheese club <laughs> and fell in love with cheese. Yeah, that's the gist of the story. There was a cheese club, or there was a group of students who were like, let's start a cheese club. And I was like, hey, can I help you do that? And they were like, sure, I guess. Uh, and I kind of became like the, I actually became the first official president of the club once we were officially a club on campus. Uh, and now it's a, like one of the largest clubs on Binghamton's campus. Binghamton is actually the Binghamton Cheese Club is paying for me to come down later this month to give a talk <laughs> to the Binghamton Cheese Club. That's awesome. So it's pretty wild. Yeah. Were you into cheese prior to the club? I mean, I grew up in a really like Italian American household. Like I grew up in Queens. So like I just had that like love of like cheese and cured meats generally. Like yeah. it was like just a part of our lives was like there was always like cheese around and things like that. Uh, my mom always cites this one story from when I was like five. Uh, she had like a hunk of telegio in the fridge, which is pretty stinky, like not a normal five-year-old cheese. Uh, and I ate the whole chunk. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like caught between like being really proud of me because like how great her five-year-old has like such an expanded palate and also being like furious with the fact that I like <laughs> ate all of her like expensive cheese. Um, and so she cites that as like, she's like, I should have known then, should have known <laughs> that you'd end up in cheese. And I was like, that does not seem like enough of information. Yeah. Uh, but then I've always been like fascinated with food. Like I've always been in a big like cooking household, like food and sitting down for dinner was always a big part of our lives. Yeah. Uh, like we eat dinner at 530 every night, my whole childhood, mm. like until I went off to college. And even then when I go home to visit, like we're still eating dinner at 530 at mm. night. That's wild. Except for Sundays. We eat at like 4.30 on Sundays. Okay. Big pot of sauce. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what was it like to, I mean, you know, Italian-American family, but what was it like to grow up in New York and Queens, but in New York City? Uh, It was awesome. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I like being in the middle of things. Okay. Uh, I'm just a person that likes to be like surrounded by a lot of people as an extrovert. Yeah. Uh, I just like loved it. I also like the access to things. That was kind of the why we opened the Kernerd uh, was because mm. moving up here, I felt like I lost a lot of access to things that I had unequivocal access to in mm. Queens. Like yeah. 
the constant, like the mm. gro- regular grocery stores have like a little old Italian man behind the counter, like, oh, we just got in a wheel of parm. Hold on. Like, <laughs> it's very different, the like mentality around food and small food, I think, in a mm. lot of ways. I mean, I think Syracuse definitely has like a food scene, obviously, but it's just, it's so different. Like, yeah. I, my butcher at home still like asks about me every week. And like mm. when I go home to visit, they're like, oh, Sarah's home. <laughs> they were like, they're like, what can we, what can we pack for you? They were like, do you want us to cryovacuum something so you could bring it back up there? <laughs> like my mom showing them pictures of things I'm doing. They're like, the, the mm. bakery owner knows us all. Like it's just That's a wild. little different. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think you, you, we can get some of that around here, but not much. You'd, th- you'd think Syracuse would have more of that. That's kind of, especially with the like Italian yeah. influence of Syracuse, you would think we'd have so much more of it. I mean, we obviously have like pockets of it, but it's not quite uh, in the same capacity. Like mm. I have like butchers on butchers on butchers and bakeries on bakeries on bakeries and places to buy cheese and all that at home. Like, you know, we go to one butcher if we're getting Italian meats, we go to this other one if we want to get lamb because they're a better Greek butcher. Like, and there's, we don't have that kind of like, Right. Competition and like camaraderie amongst those businesses here so much. Like even if I went into my butcher at home and was like, hey, I'm looking to get a whole lamb for Greek Easter. I'm not Greek, yeah. but it is possible. Um, <laughs> they'd be like, oh, go to my friend. He's at this butcher. He will get you a whole lamb. Yeah. We don't have that kind of like, oh, there's this other. Right. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Yeah. There's just not enough competition like between. Mm. Ah, that's a really interesting way to look at it. I wonder if that's why, if that's what it is. Hey, I want to talk to you again about Brown Carbonic. If you're listening to the podcast, you're a listener, you're a subscriber, first-time listener, long-time listener, you're a restaurant owner, bar manager, whatever, you're in food and beverage, Brown Carbonic, craft beverages, craft sodas, really specifically nitrogen and CO2 for your draft systems. Make sure you're supporting local supporting Brown Carbonic, give them a call at 315-454-3591. And now, back to the podcast. The bakeries, there is a little bit. Not yeah. as much, not yeah. as much, but... Um, I think they all have their own niche, though. Yeah. Like they all do their own, like, special thing yeah. that makes them different. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of where all the bakeries are laid out. I mean, you've got Doloros and Columbus that are pretty close to each other. I'm trying to think what else is over there. Uh, or, yeah, Doloros. Um there's not it. a ton. Where's in, my, in the neighborhood I grew up in, there was five bakeries within like a mile and a half of each other. Mm-hmm. So like about as close as you could possibly get. Yeah. And we went to the mall for very different things. Like there's one bakery right in town near my church. We'd stop every Sunday after church to pick mm. up like danishes and stuff to go home. There's another one that makes the best Italian cookies. So we'd go there for Christmas. Mm. The other one is better at cakes and pastries. That's like birthday mm. party bakery. Like... <laughs> If you live in a neighborhood here, it's not like within a mile and a half you could hit All right. f- five of anything. No. I mean, maybe five Wegmans, but yeah. that's about it. Yeah. No, it really doesn't. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not a thing. I've thought about that a lot with delis around here because we don't really have a, like a, like there is Lombardi's and there is Vince's, but, uh, and I do prefer Lombardi's to Vince's. I, I do as well. But Love them both for different reasons. Yeah. But I'm also just closer to the Lombardi's. Yeah. Slightly partial. Uh, and that's kind of more like old world a little bit, you know? I mean, yes. Oh, yeah. You know, that's got to remind you of New York a, When a I moved here and found Lombardi's, I was like, <laughs> yeah. thank God. Um, because it's like truly one of those things where it's like I missed that. Mm. 
and I missed the like walking into a place like that and knowing like someone in the back was making pasta to like put in the sh- put right. on the shelves. Um, but it's really just the one location. Yeah. Um, that's like the only place that I really get that right. feel. I mean, oh, Vince's yeah, is nice, sure. but I definitely, it feels more like new. Yeah. Uh, newer. Obviously right. it is than yeah. l- comparatively to Lombardi's. <laughs> uh, and so like, I'm so used to that like much older feeling. Right. Kind of deli, bodega, someone. For sure. Like, Family of love kind of food. Uh, but Vince's does have, it's it's more of a commercialized thing, yeah. which is great. It's still the same product. I think it's the same, same stuff, but still you walk into Lombardi's and it's like, oh, you know, I'm home, so to yeah. sort of. So yeah. did you try, like, I'm just curious. So what was your progression of you're at Binghamton and you're, you know, pre-med and <laughs> you get into cheese and you become the president of this cheese club? <laughs> like what, what happens next? Uh, what happens next from there uh, was I went home and I started working in Brooklyn at a cheese shop. I actually applied to every cheese shop, like from like the Bronx all the way out on Long Island. Okay. Um, and I was like, I don't care. I will drive or mm. take trains or however it is that I have to get there. I need to know if working in cheese <laughs> like is worth it for me before I like don't finish taking my pre-med classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went home in a cheese shop in Brooklyn, uh, reached out. I sent the email. They were like, hey, come in for an interview tomorrow. Hmm. I called my cousin to be like, how do I get to this part of Williamsburg? Because he lived in Williamsburg. <laughs> he told me the worst train route possible. <laughs> I went through some of the scariest neighborhoods of New York City <laughs> to get there. Um, and I finally get there, get off the train. My cute little outfit after I went through all these terrifying neighborhoods to go to this Williamsburg uh, cheese shop interview. Uh, The only interview question asked was, what is the cheese club? To which I answered, explained what I did as the president of the cheese club. Uh, And then she goes, okay, cool. Do you want to come in tomorrow to do a trail? Uh, Which is essentially like staging in a kitchen. But uh, just come in. Yeah, like (laughs) check out, like walk around with the cheesemongers. They'll like see if you're worth it if you mesh with the group, whatever. So I was like, great, I'll see you tomorrow. I went, I bought three bottles of wine, uh, <laughs> took took the correct trains home um, because my cousin was not being helpful. Uh, and <laughs> I got home and I was like, I have to go back tomorrow. And I sat there, figured out the best train route to actually get me there safely. Uh, went in the next day, I trailed, my girlfriend picked me up. And then within an hour, I'd gotten a call from the owner that was like, we'd like you to start tomorrow. Oh, that's cool. Uh, And I sort of went full steam ahead, was working there constantly. Like Mm. any hours they could give me, I was like, I will work. I will clean shelves. I will pick up. I don't care. Mm. I want to work here so bad. Uh, And it was probably my first week there. My parents had come out to like pick me up from work uh, Mm. and like check. My dad was like, I have to check out the neighborhood (laughs) because he's. Like, my, we're, like, generationally from Queens, so they remember Williamsburg, like, when it was, like, <laughs> scary. Uh, and my grandfather was a Brooklyn North homicide detective, so, like, oh. we know when Brooklyn was, like, really scary. Uh, and then my dad showed up, and he was like, I don't, you could take the, all the trains you want. I don't care. Yeah. Get here however you want. You're yeah. totally safe now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was like, this is, this is what I, all I want to do. Huh. That's wild. Yeah. So did you complete uh, at Binghamton? Did you finish or did you yeah. pause before to no, go? No, I, okay. I finished my degree. I have a degree in cell and molecular biology. I just ended up tweaking the classes I was going to take uh, for my to finish out my senior year from like pre-med courses to things that more had to do with microbiology. So mm. I was focusing a little bit more on yeasts, molds, and bacteria mm. uh, so that when I did start working <laughs> in cheese, I could be like, I also have this like added yeah. knowledge. That's wild. 
Yeah. (laughs) All right. So how long were you at the shop in Brooklyn? Uh, I worked there on and off for almost two years. Okay. And then that's about when we, uh, my now husband was like, hey, I got a job in Syracuse. We should (laughs) move. And I was like, oh, really? You sure? (laughs) And he was like, I could buy you a house. And I said, okay, I'll go. Uh, <laughs> I, honestly, growing up in Queens, like that's like not even remotely possible. Like yeah. none of my friends own property down right. there. I mean, like they rent, for, like them and their partner might rent with another couple and yeah. I'll be in a two-bedroom apartment. Like that's that would be like the max I was looking forward to. Uh, and Matt was kind of like, why would we have roommates when we could have a yard? And I was like, yeah. huh. <laughs> crazy idea that's wild yeah my brother and his family live in uh congress and both my brothers graduated went to nyack college and you know and uh so uh it's wildly expensive yeah <laughs> wildly expensive yeah. i think his house his house was is like i don't know six hundred thousand dollars and here it'd be like 220 <laughs> you know it's crazy no 100 percent. we matt and i our plot is bigger than my parents. Like you can fit my parents' whole house inside of mine. Wow. And um, their property is worth, I think it's almost nine times what Matt oh, and I paid yeah. for our property, uh, which is so crazy <laughs> uh, to think about because like my dad didn't even realize it at first. Then I was like asking to fi- figure out something with our like mm. plot lines and like where our fence is. And he was like <laughs> looking at it and he's like, is that the dimensions? of your plot. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, he's like, I'm a little upset right now. You guys own more property than we do. He's like, and I know you guys paid next to nothing for it. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's why we live up here. And now my parents are like, maybe we should move to Syracuse. (laughs) So when you, when you two came up to Syracuse, were you thinking I'm going to open a cheese shop? No. So actually we moved in 2020. We bought our house January, 2020. I was all set to leave in June of 2020 for a year-long European excursion. Um, The entire plan was that Matt was going to move here, get settled in his job, start grad school. I was going to go to Europe for a year and then come back having, like, farm-handed, essentially, in Europe for cheese. Uh, And then from there, we were going to decide, like, what we wanted to do, if we wanted to, like, stay in Syracuse or if I wanted to, like, go into, like, traveling around for cheese and, like, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously that fell through. We ended up moving in in April of 2020 mm-hmm. when we officially moved into our house. And it was like fairly clear at that point that I was not going to Europe. So I like canceled my tickets, yeah. all of that kind of good stuff. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, since we're in central New York, there's a lot of cheese around here. I could probably work like essentially farm handing here and yeah. seeing the cheese making aspect. Uh, except because of the pandemic, most cheesemakers were not hiring like Mm -hmm. no one was actively hiring yeah um because they were like look we have kids and family and they're all unemployed right now so we're just gonna have them Mm -hmm. help us so that we could kind of keep a bubble and i was like yeah that Hmm. makes sense right i was like that's cool yeah that's wild my brain doesn't work that way like you know you're you're thinking of i'm gonna go spend a year in europe (laughs) learning about cheese in my head i'm like what can chat gpt tell me about cheese (laughs) That I need to know. <laughs> I, I like cheese is one of those things where actually I just read a whole article about Chad GBT and cheese. Mm. And it was uh, essentially a cheese writer. Uh, it was on the cheese professor. If anyone wants to look it up, the um, this cheese writer was asking Chad GPT about cheese mm. and like seeing what it would say. And it was like 
talking about how is it going to affect the cheese industry if people are going to start asking mm. chat GBT things. And it became very clear that it's like using a very formulaic response yeah. and that it's also very like Euro-centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're kind of lacking all mm. of this cheese information that you could not get without a human. Yeah. Uh, because it is so focused on telling you like, France has brie. Yeah. Italy has parm. Uh, instead of being uh. like, there's a huge cheese making culture in the South Americas yeah. and in America and in Canada and You're right. Yeah. Have you have you uh experimented with chat GPT yet? I have not. I'm actually kind of afraid of technology, which is funny because <laughs> Matt's an engineer. I just like don't feel confident in it. So he kind of deals with like any technological things in our home um and i don't ask questions so i've been fascinated by it i'm (laughs) I'm pulling it up right now um i've been absolutely fascinated by it because it's i mean for somebody like myself it can solve so many issues um tell me about cheese let's just see what it says uh because and send um cheese is a dairy product (laughs) yep uh, I've been fascinated by it and I've been using it for so many things. I've been using it for yesterday. I was like struggling to come up with every like, um, caption I was writing for a client for a Facebook post. It was like, it was just, they were all dumb. And I was like, I'm just going to have chat GPT do it. So I pull up my phone. I need a witty Facebook post about enchiladas on a Monday. Bam. There it is. Copy, paste. Done. Oh, that's wild. You should um, not have told me that. You're going to see a lot of chat GPT <laughs> Kerner captions yeah. out here soon. So I use it for emails for our MailChimp account. When I'm emailing restaurant owners, I'm emailing our customers. I'm like, I need a sales email to go out about our Sangria bar crawl. Here's the details. Bam. Gives me cute, very well-written, long... You mean to tell me I'm out here writing the Kirkner yes. email that goes out every Friday and you for could four just, hours, and I could just have the robot do it? You could... Um, I don't know who a famous cheesemonger is, but <laughs> you could, or even a musician, an, a poet, an author, you could say, I need a sales email to go out about this new 15-year parm wheel that we're bringing in, and it's going to be available. Here's the dates. Here's the price. da 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 And I need it in the voice of... John Wayne, and it will write you that sales email in the voice of John Wayne. I think that scares me, actually. It's terrifying. Yeah, that, there's something about that that is like very unnerving to me. As it is, I don't even like. We've got like a full Google house and shop, pretty much, just yeah. because like we have become so lazy. Right. Um, <laughs> in my home, we just like the all the lights are automated and okay, all that kind yeah. of stuff. And even then, sometimes it kind of freaks me out when I like say something and Google is like. Oh, hello. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't quite catch that. And I'm like, I was not even right. talking to you. Yeah. Why are oh, you listening yes. to me right now? Yeah. And I'm like, I was just like on the phone with my mom, like saying something, and Google is like, Hi, I'm sorry. I can't seem to find it. And I'm like, Oh no, you're listening. Yeah. Oh, they're definitely listening. There's like the user. Yeah. yeah. Um, Matt always laughs. I apologize to all the Googles and like say thank you and stuff. And he's like. Sarah, it's a robot. And I'm like, here's the thing. We no longer really know what that means. Right. And they're getting scarier and scarier by the yeah. day. So I'm going to keep apologizing and saying thank you and please yeah. when I can so that it doesn't uh, kill me. <laughs> Google is not what you have to worry about. Now it's chat GPT. Yeah. It's like, what about all of them? This version right now is phenomenal for so many things. And yeah, so I have it writing sales emails. We're doing cocktail videos now where I give it a list of all the ingredients and then it gives me oh, a recipe. Oh, yeah. I saw one of those. Yep. 
I have it now, right? My podcast descriptions. I hate writing the show notes. And That's so, so crazy. the show notes on every podcast is like, my guest this week is so-and-so from such-and-such. Here's their website. Here's our website. Goodbye. Now, I'm like, uh, who, I just had Adam from Old Home Distillers on. Yeah. So, ChatGPT now it has up-to-date information from summer of 2022. And, or, some yeah, I think it's summer of 2022. So, anything that's on the internet from summer of 2022, it's aware of. So I said, my guest on the podcast, can you write me a podcast description? My guest was Adam from Old Home Distillers. Here's information on the podcast, like about Eat Local New York. Um, can you include my thing? And then our pot, our sponsor for the podcast now is Brown Carbonic. That's all I said. Very short. I had a paragraph about Old Home Distillers and what they, like the spirits that they distill like their entire sales pitch on their website was condensed into a paragraph, a whole paragraph on brown carbonic that they got from their website about products they offer. And I mean, it is insane. So I've had it create uh, menus. I could go, <laughs> I'm, oh I'm obsessed with it. So I could go on ChatGPT right now and say, I need a, men- a menu, dinner menu for a new restaurant that's going to be modern American fare. It will give me appetizers, salads, soups, entrees, desserts. I could say I need a recipe for each one of those things. It'll give me the recipe. I could say I now need a blog on each one of those recipes. It'll give me a blog on each one of those recipes. All the blog, all the food recipe blogs I've been putting on Eat Local's website, chat GPT. Another, another thing that's crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is you just haven't written anything in months. No, and it's per- <laughs> and it's wonderful. Um, with- well, you know, especially you're a new, you're a new dad. Right. You have enough going on. Might as well have the robots <laughs> write, the, write the speeches. I've told myself I'm going to stop talking so much on podcasts, except for apparently when it's chat GPT. No, I, I'm into it. Those photos? Are all. Are all. It's from a different, it's the same company, OpenAI, but it's their Dolly uh, platform, which you could type in any descriptive for any picture and it will create a unique picture for you. So like you could type in, I need a photo of a white man and blue jeans and a t-shirt sitting on a beach drinking a coffee. And it will give you four different versions of that photo that are completely unique to that prompt and no one else. It, that's, it's a unique photo for you. So like the photos of the that's wild. the photos for those recipe blogs of like that's actually really the wild. rotisserie chicken. I just put rotisserie chicken cooked at home, bam, corned beef and cabbage in a slow cooker, bam, and I get the photo. Oh my god! I'm uh, out here. I'm out here. If you ever see product photos of food on the Curtinard website, I'm out here having a panic attack yeah. in my own kitchen. I bought one of those like little panel things to take photos of food. I definitely have uh, Mary, if you've seen her around at the shop, Mary's almost always at my house for dinner. (laughs) So if there's like grating cheese, it's Mary's hands (laughs) that are grating the cheese. This is like a very uh, in-person, actual lived experience photos for us. That's pretty funny. Yeah, no, I'm. Fa- I'm I think I'm about. To, I'm going to start doing like webinars or you know whatever one on ones for like restaurant owners who want to learn how to use it because yeah. uh, it really is. It's like this unreal thing, and it's the update that's coming out in a couple weeks. From what I've heard, at least, we'll be able to edit videos, we'll be able to edit photos, and we'll be able to code like type out. Like right now, I could say. I need a code, I need website code in this script, in this language that can do this. And it'll give me like an example, but also I'll kind of have to fill in the blanks. 
Hey, if you're listening to this and you're wondering how you can utilize ChatGPT to help your restaurant grow, reach out to me, Anthony, eatlocalnewyork.com. I'd love to sit down and talk to you and help you, guide you through that process. But you can also pick up our ebook. The link is in the show notes and use code EATLOCALPODCAST at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. And now, back to the podcast. With this new update, I could say, I want my website and this web language to do this, and it will give me the full code that then I just copy and paste into my website, and I have that feature. Um, Or I could upload this video, and I could say, edit the first 60 seconds and the last 60 seconds out, and it will do that, and then send me the final version. (laughs) So That's really... I know. It's it's absolutely great. So uh, the last thing I'll say about that, and then we'll get back to you and cheese. I don't mind. Honestly, this uh, is very interesting information. As someone who like is a little more tech unsavvy, I would yeah. say, this is like things that I would never really even explore on my own. Yeah. Because like, um, look, Matt bought me a shitty laptop <laughs> because he was like, girl, you cannot handle past this and it's true i can't as it is i still couldn't figure out like where my screenshots were going yeah and he looks at me and he's like I, you're so young yeah you should be so much smarter with technology how old are you two uh we are in 26 okay yeah yeah and so like we, we're pretty young that's yeah he's right like, he's like and like my dad is like very tech savvy he bought he was like had the first <laughs> iphone like he oh, had wow. the first macs in our house like i should be better i'm just simply not that's funny so is Matt into like all of this kind of stuff? Yeah, this is like Matt's. Yeah, that's his. He's an electrical engineer, okay. so like generally all he does all day. Yeah, is essentially this kind of that's stuff. Pretty funny. Yeah. Um, no, it's wild. So the things that uh, with AI moving forward, that people, it's going to be the prompts. So you have to know what to ask it in like specific orders if you want to get the answer. I mean, isn't that just how Google works? Also, though. Yeah. Yeah. You have to yeah. like ask google the right way i mean like i just having a degree in like the hard sciences you have to like ask google like very specific words (laughs) and then also put like site dot dot like dot edu Mm -hmm. and then like put in the codes of exactly what you want to get the things you actually want out of any of those sort of yeah systems yeah it's wild yeah it's the Uh, same way you have to like ask i have to like ask my google homes like correctly how to turn on spotify yeah i can't be like Hey, just play music because then for some reason it'll always play Pandora, even though I'm, I'm pretty sure I've set it as Spotify as the main yeah. music for right. since we started because I've never used Pandora in my life. But Yeah, I have to say, play this podcast on this platform. On this platform, yeah. yeah otherwise, it's like, whoa. Yeah, right. Can't, can't access that information. Yeah. And I'm like, I promise you, you can. I pay for the premium <laughs> subscription. You have access to it. That's wild. Yeah, so there's uh, there's websites now where you can buy prompts. So if you say, like, if I want something really specific, people have figured out exactly what prompt you need to ask, and so you can buy those for a couple bucks. Interesting. Uh, But I think that'll be really, you know, if it's like the knowledge is like, you know, people are trying to perfect their experience and get like the best, you know, uh, output from ChatGPT, it'll be, you know, people will be able to make money from knowing what prompts, how to prompt it and things. But uh, Tim at Buried Acorn, which... They're, they like to play a drinking game where they have to take a drink every time I mention them. So <laughs> if you're playing along, take a drink. Uh, um, he's used it for SEO for his website. So, I mean, you know, that's kind of what I'm doing with that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I could say, it is outdated, so I could say, 
I've had it write blogs like, hey, give me the best five restaurants to go to this weekend in Syracuse, and it still lists Empire Brewing Company. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So, I don't know if you'll ever be out of a job because of ChatGPT, but in terms of like experts, but uh, I don't know. I think it's it's pretty fascinating to think of how I mean, small business owners can use it. You know, like I think of like SEO work specifically. I've always said SEO work is kind of like it's you know it's not necessarily a scam, but it's like you know they're trying to sell you like the you know you know well we've got the secret answer. Yeah, um, we can get you a ton of web traffic and grow your business with our ten thousand dollar a month SEO services. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you can just use ChatGPT for free. I've I've already been functioning on a <laughs> I can do it for free kind of mentality. We're yeah. at the curd nerd. We are the most like if we could just do it, we'll do it to save money. Yeah, we we're like very set on not going into debt for this business. And like so far, thank God we haven't. Hmm. Uh, it was like our whole goal. We took money from like no one. Hmm. I mean, my grandparents yeah. were like lovingly like, here's a check. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but like they were not like we want it. They were like, it's your business. We This is just because we like you. Um, <laughs> so at what point did you, you know, I mean, the trip to Europe doesn't happen. Yeah. You're here. It's COVID. Uh, so at what point do you decide we're going to gonna start a business? Yeah. Uh, we had been here just about a year. I had tried to work at some other places and honestly, there just was like nothing even comparable to what I was doing. And I Hmm. was so passionate about it. And I think Matt could really tell that I was like giving up part of myself by like trying to do these like other jobs adjacent to cheese. Yeah. Um, and Hmm. actually it was March of 2021. Uh, we sat down with Steven Skinner Mm -hmm. because our dog groomer, uh, made a post about, how great Steven was and how she was so thankful to have found him as a landlord because she opened up a dog grooming, Hmm. her own dog grooming place in Eastwood. And we are obsessed with Amanda. If you have a dog, (laughs) please go to Amanda's dog grooming. Um, She is the only one who will deal with my absolutely feral corgi. Um, (laughs) And so we, Matt came to me and he was like, we should open a cheese shop. And I was like, cool. That is not in the agenda. Yeah, uh, I was like, that was not even in the five-year plan. That was in the 20-year plan hmm. for us. And he was like, yeah, but like, why couldn't we just do it now when we like kind of have energy and like could make this work Yeah, rather than like wait until hmm. we don't have the energy or we have kids and it becomes like the lowest priority is to start a new business. All right. And we've kind of been saving money because we have a hundred-year-old home and it needs a new kitchen mm. and so we'd like kind of been saving up for it especially because i mean matt was working all through the pandemic and yeah, we okay. were not going anywhere uh <laughs> just sitting at home just the two of us yeah uh and i cook pretty much everything okay so we were just like eating at home staying home <laughs> doing nothing uh and he was like we have this money why don't we just take it and open a business we sat down with steven steven was like i think this is the coolest idea ever mm. he was like this is absolutely what eastwood needs and we were like Okay, uh, so I like quit what I was doing. I focused entirely on uh, like getting this business started, and it was a year later, almost to the day of meeting with him, that the shop officially opened. Wow! Uh, and now it's almost to the day, two years later uh, from crazy. that. That's wild. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, there's a lot of questions I want to ask. I know there's. Uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty interesting. <laughs> What's that like? I mean, what's that like going through that process of, you know, like, I mean, was your dad, did your dad own his own business doing the upholstery? And so Queens? my dad doesn't, uh, but it was his grandfather's business originally. So I okay. do have like some history of business owning, but truly the most basic baseline level. 
Uh, and it was even harder because like I was trying to open something new in Syracuse. Yeah. And while Syracuse is hip and trendy, the governing councils of Syracuse do not understand change. Uh, and so I spent a lot of time like calling city officials and being like, hey, I'm trying to open a cheese shop. And they were like, a restaurant. And I was like, no, a mm. cheese shop. And they were like, okay, a deli. And I'm like, still no. And I was like, it's like a grocery store. And they're like, so just a grocery store. You don't prep any food. And I'm like, no. Uh, it's sort of in between a deli and a grocery store. And they were like, a deli. And I was like, I am not winning here. Uh, and I spent like so much time having to be like, this is something new. We don't really have anything quite like this. Mm. We have restaurants that have like cheeses available. We have delis that have cheeses available. We don't have like a designated cheese yeah. grocery store that huh. doesn't do any hot cooking because uh, yeah. all the other ones do some sort of hot catering cooking things right. on site. We do not do anything like that. Huh. We are a completely cold right. prep business. I'm assuming they were asking for like, you know, health code, you know, yes. all that kind of stuff and permits. and Yes. And I like came in like fully set. I was like, look, I need to be working through the ag and markets department for what I'm doing. I'm doing like cheese processing. It's not cooking. And even then, like any cooking I would be doing would be considered under ag and markets. Yeah. Uh, I'm not doing any like, I'm not feeding the masses. I mean, we make right. cheese boards and we cut cheese. Um, hmm. And so a lot of it was just like getting the city to get like, their mentality right on yeah. like like the health department was like no you absolutely need to work with us also and i was like i'm pretty sure you can't be licensed by both and they yeah. were like mm. they were like no no no, you need both and i was like okay and so then i got my ag and markets license i had paid for everything at this point i'm literally going down we had put in a grease trap because the city asked for one you had to put in a grease trap yes for what uh excellent wonderful question i asked the plumbing that, I asked the city that, we asked the health department that. They were all like, you need one. I was like, okay. Uh, they were like, is your food greasy? And I was like, no. And they were like, is it dairy products? And I'm like, well, yes, obviously it's dairy. And they were like, so it is by definition greasy. And I'm like, I guess. <laughs> uh, and, but then I, then then the, the city came out, put the grease trap in, and then they were, I was like, oh, how often will I need to get this serviced? And they were like, based on what you do, I don't know, maybe once every 10 years. I'm like, why did we? <laughs> wow. Why did we put it in if it's not going to be like a useful thing for my business? Regardless, it had to get put in. The city was like very adamant about it. I that's talk. not that's that's not cheap. No, uh, it is not, and it also delayed us opening by like months. Uh, we would have been opened in. Uh, we actually our goal was to be open before Christmas, twenty twenty one yeah um and then we because of the grease trap kept kept getting pushed back and pushed back and i had to get in and the, hmm. i kept calling the city and being like are you sure yeah and they were like yes like i was calling three four times a day hmm. they were like yep you need it i talked to the plumbing department so many times and they were still they definitely don't understand what a cheese shop is yeah uh, now they do because they spend a lot of time <laughs> at the shop but they did not um and it like wasn't until March that we actually got to open because we had to put all of that in. Uh, but I I filled out all my paperwork. I'd already applied with the Ag and Markets Department. They were set to come. I'm going down to the health department because they told me I needed to be double licensed. And they were like, there's no such thing as being double licensed. If you're licensed through the Ag and Markets, you do not need us. And I was like, I just want to be very clear. Hmm. You said something different on the phone. Yeah. And I've been doing all this stuff and I spent all the time filling it out and writing the checks and they were like, yeah, whatever, go home. I got in the car. I started sobbing. I was like, this has been. Wow. Torture. Syracuse really is not the, I mean, New York state in general, but Syracuse really is not a great place to be in business, <laughs> no. Uh, no. especially in food. No. And then like, once you get into it, like once you're in it, it's fine. Yeah. But like actually filling out all this stuff, 
yeah. is like pulling teeth. You really do need to know someone in politics, yeah. you know, because if you know somebody, I mean, I think back, like that story just makes me think of um, the Brinewall Eatery, you know, like he was, I mean, it was a shitty location and, you know, whatever, but uh, he had good food, even though just, I don't think Syracuse, well, I, don't, I shouldn't say that Monkey Brains is pretty good, but uh, um, Jefferson Street sucks yeah. to have a business on. And, but he was like, he was dying Dying, 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 and then the entire summer, the city shut down. Yeah. You know, like like the construction and his entire corridor was just unbearable. And then I think it was even like his last. He announced like, "Hey, this is our last week or two open," and they shut down all of Jefferson Street to traffic. They really are just like not focused on small business yeah. as a city, and it is insane. Yeah, because I've. Actually, I do feel we have an insane small business scene here, like in a way yeah. that it's more disconnected in this in like bigger cities like New York City. Like mm. New York City, I worked in small businesses, and you would know all the small businesses on your street. Yeah. But then one street over, you wouldn't know those people. Right. Because it's, there's so many. There's so many. You're only gonna know. Yeah. This small chunk here, because like we all sort of have to support each other for any of us to be even remotely functional. Yeah. Like. I work with small businesses in Auburn and hmm. like Camillus and Fayetteville. And like, if I can like yeah, all work together, it's just going to be a better, yeah. like we'll have a better Syracuse. And I, that's not the same in a lot of other cities. For sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the, uh, I feel like that's connected to, I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now, uh, before the pandemic, there was a great local food scene here in Syracuse and not just the local food scene, but people that cared about quality food. And I think yeah. you're, you're probably, you are part of like that resurgence of there isn't a, there, let me rephrase. There is not a resurgence yet of that, but you're probably, you're probably like one step in that direction. Um, but before COVID that just people, t- there was so much more talk about great chefs, great local products um, from local farms or manufacturers and great local restaurants and, there was, I just felt like there was more of a focus on those things and there isn't right now. Like everybody knows Amano and Eden, you know, some of the, some of those great ones. Everyone Urban. does not know those places. I just want to be very clear. Okay. So I would say, I would say 70% of the people I talk to yes. at the cheese shop do not know those places Yes. because I get asked a lot where I eat out because they're like, where do you go? Yeah. Because clearly you know, good food. And I'm like, Yes, I do. Uh, and I'm yeah. like, Eden is my, like, <laughs> one of my all-time favorite restaurants. I actually, I'm we're going there for our one-year anniversary mm. of the shop because uh, nice. I, like, love it there so much. We go for my birthday every year. Like, yeah, uh, it's one of my favorite places. I mention it regularly. Right. And people are like, oh, I don't know that. Yeah. And then they, like, try to explain where it is, and they're like, I, I never really go over there. And I'm like, I'm like, do you know where, like, Water Street Bagel is? And they're like, kind of. Hmm. And I'm like, do you? Are we just ignoring this whole other section yeah. of downtown? Yeah, I think that, I mean, that is part of it. I, I, in, the, in the general, like, sense of Syracuse, you're right. Yeah. Not hardly anybody knows about those places. Yeah. In the sense of, like, the people that kind of go, like, even the consumers are, like, fans of the food. They're well oh, known. Oh, they know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're just really, we've lost a lot of that focus on kind of, like, what makes, what should make Central New York Central New York. I think we're, we're just far outside. It's, well, the, so the talk for like since COVID has been cheap. It's like we've shifted to 50 cent wings and, you know, oh, labor and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And uh, 
Yeah, I feel like it might be, I don't know, I go back and forth. I kind of feel like the past year it's felt like a grind. Like every restaurant owner I talked to, it, nobody was really excited about what they were doing. Yeah. Everybody was just like, we're just kind of going through the motions. I'm starting to hear a little bit of excitement from people about like this upcoming year and different things that they've got working, you know. So maybe that's changing. I don't know. But uh, yeah, we don't really we don't have a very crazy food yeah. scene here in Syracuse. I also feel <laughs> though, as a as a business owner, I like have to make it exciting for me, or yes. I will literally mm. end up in the fetal position by six p.m. every night. Uh, and so, like, <laughs> I, I will sort of I'll be I'll be like, there's no market for this cheese. Yeah. I'm just gonna have to find All the right. market. Like, I'm just gonna have to make the market and market the hell out of this thing. And How do you do that? <sighs> How have you been doing that? Uh, a couple different ways. We, we're big on social media. Mm-hmm. Social media has been like the saving grace of the curd nerd, mm-hmm. uh, which is crazy because I'm like from the generation where social media was starting to get like more uh, posed. Mm. And so like my like personal social media, I post like twice a year and it's like, hey, we got engaged. Hey, we got married. Yeah. Hey, we opened a business. It's not like, Here's me on a Tuesday. Uh, yeah. And I've had to get very comfortable with that like opposite way of social media where it's like, here's yeah. us on a Tuesday with all this new cheese and like hmm. hyping a lot of things up and being like, there's this like thing coming in. You're going to want to know about it. Look out for next week. Yeah. Uh, and people like kind of get this excitement about it. You're Gen Z, right? I- I'm technically a zillennial. Uh, it's those those like four years in between the cusp years we don't kind of fit either way Ah. so i remember when computers were big and dial up and all that kind of good stuff yeah Uh, i remember all of those sorts of things but i also grew up like Hmm. in the land of blackberries and i know Hmm. like gen z stuff but then i talked to some i most of my employees are gen z uh, like true gen z born in like 2002 and later Okay. Um, and so I'm like talking to them and I will say things and they will be like, I have no, like I'll, I'll be like AOL <laughs> and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'll be like, what do you mean you don't know? Like you used to get on aim and like write messages and you'd put in a little away yeah. notes, so your crush would message you. And they were like, no, Sarah, that's not a real thing. And I'm like, oh, we're living in different realities. Yeah. So like, but I also am not like old enough where I can remember, like, I don't remember Y2K. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like yeah. my my cousins that are older than me are like, oh, is this big like big deal? Like they oh, yeah. they have vivid memories of it. I remember New Year's Eve Y two K. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like right. that's like I don't I know what happened. Yeah. And like I've heard stories of like what I was living at that time that <laughs> was alive. I you just read like, about it in a blog that Chat GPT wrote once. I'm sure. Uh but like <laughs> I didn't I don't like have conscious memories of it. Right. Um and so it's like I'm in this like very weird yeah. sort of in between. I was um, like as you're talking, I was just I was wondering. I'm like, oh, maybe you're part of the article. They just said Syracuse is like top ten. Did you see that? <laughs> yes, top ten, 10 for cities. Gen Z to I move to. I can't believe that's true. I think it's crazy because um, every Gen people. Z I talk to hates it here. Uh, <laughs> the millennials I talk to love it. Yeah, uh, and so <laughs> I am like, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I don't think that that's true. Yeah, uh, I thought that was very interesting when I saw us in the top ten. I was like, yeah, that seems. Odd. It feels like the same. I don't know if you've ever heard this from different cities, but I feel like I've heard this about multiple cities in America throughout my life, and that is this city is the test market for something. Like I've, people have tried to say, tell me that about Syracuse. I'm like, Syracuse is not the test market for anything. anything. Syracuse is, you know, they tested it, they launched it. Ten years later, it got to Syracuse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, people have said, oh, test market for fast food and for Pepsi product. I'm like, no, I it is not. 
Trust me, that is not a real thing. I truly agree with the we're 10 years behind thing. Yes. It, that's what bothered me the most, I think, when I moved here. Yeah. Because I was like, we are four hours from three of the most major cities yeah. in the world. Like, you could be in Chicago, Philadelphia, Boston, or New York City basically within four hours. Toronto. Toronto. Yeah, yeah you could truly be, like, in the, like, mecca of, like, big city living. Yeah. And then there's just this, like, insane small point of view from around here where it's, like, I do this thing that I've done my whole life and I don't question it. And even though, like, I know there's better product out there, like, I just settle for what I've been given. Yeah. And I'm, like, I don't get why we're settling. And so when we opened, that was my big fear Mm -hmm. because, like, everyone has kind of given me this opinion, like, in the year that I moved here that everyone was just, like, cool and comfortable Mm. with what we had here. And I was, like, this business is going to fail. Yeah. And I can't care because I have to do this because... If I don't do this, I will be in a very bad place mentally. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm just going to have to keep pushing and do this thing. And if it fails, it fails. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, and then I opened it. And everyone was like, I have been waiting for this to open for years. Yeah. I, this is all I've ever wanted in Syracuse. And I was like, then why did none of you do it? <laughs> like, why did it take me coming here, basically losing my mental health for the better part of a year and just being like, I mean, pandemic depression right. plus like new city depression. My, we didn't know any, we knew one person here. We went to college with one person <laughs> that like came back to Syracuse. <laughs> uh, and so like we knew Matt's one engineering friend. Yeah. And so like I ended up hanging out with like four engineering bros <laughs> every day. Talking about chat GPT for 25 minutes. Yes. That, no, that's exactly, it would be like, we'd sit around, they'd talk about some new tech thing coming out. And then one of them would maybe look over at me and be like, so cheese, huh? <laughs> and I would be like, I'm going to go upstairs now. Um, and I'm just going to lie down and hope I fall asleep so that this is all over. Um, and like, thankfully I've got a really, really supportive partner and he like knew where I was struggling, yeah. uh, which is why we opened and all that kind of good stuff. But I was so, so worried. I was like, I have no choice. I have to do this. It's like this mm. or I have to like go home. Like yeah. I can't live here mm. uh, and I'll have to like essentially give up my relationship. And I, I was like, because mm. like I, I will either end up in a mental hospital or back in Queens. Like mm. there was kind of no other in between at that point besides yeah. opening the shop. I know that that's an, an extreme example, but are you, are you like that as a business owner where you're, where it's kind of like, this and then that or like are you kind of like one extreme or the other or are, you, are you somewhere in the middle when it comes to like operating the business i'm somewhere in the middle when it comes to operating the business i think that was the most extreme in my life i truly think it was just like a combination of i've never i never pictured myself moving away from queens yeah. my entire family is still there okay cousins yeah i mean since then my brother has moved but truly i was the first one of my family to move it was like mm. big talk mm. like my aunts would call me and be like are you sure yeah. You want to leave. Like, no one has left hmm. generationally. So That's I moved wild. away from this, like, big family system that I had and, like, network of people around me to somewhere where I had no one, mm-hmm. essentially, besides my partner, which is great. But also when you're just two people, it's also, like, yeah, a lot of pressure. Uh, we were still, like, I mean, we'd been together kind of for years, but we'd only, like, officially been together not that long when we moved up here. Um, and... So we moved here. I had no friends, and I'm, like, a huge extrovert, like, need people in my life kind of person. And I couldn't do what I loved to do, which is, like, my only outlet. And then I'd Mm. go onto forums with other cheesemongers talking about it, and they would be like, this is the worst time it's ever been to be a cheesemonger Mm. because our entire profession is based on, like, 
having interpersonal relationships with our customers and to lose that and not have that anymore is killing us. Hmm. Um, and so I was just like constantly in this like really dark place for about a year. Uh, and then opening the business was obviously like my bright light at the end of the tunnel. And I was like, I have to get to this goal because like once I get there, I think everything will be okay. And even if it's the most work I've ever done in my life, and even if I never sleep again, I will be happier than this like weird in-between space. Yeah. Uh, and then when hmm. we did open the business, I was like, I'm just going to take this one day at a time. Like, we are just going to get through this. It doesn't have to, I don't have to be like all consumed. I even look back now and I'm like, those first three months of the business were so peaceful. And I was so stressed <laughs> at the time. Like, I was like, that was crazy. Uh, looking back now, I'm like, that was crazy boring compared yeah. to what I do now. And I'm like, oh, now that we have like steady customers and I'm like doing a newsletter and I'm constantly doing these events and all that stuff. Like, the first three months, I'd show up like 20 minutes before we opened, turn on the sinks. <laughs> turn on the lights, hang out for the day, serve some people some cheese. And then like at 5.55, I'd start cleaning the slicer, be home by 6.15. Now I'm like, all right, I got to get there at 7.45 in the morning if I want to get all these, this work done. I'm, I'm here until 10 o'clock tonight because I'm teaching an event after, I'm teaching a class mm. after the shop closes. I like went from like this like crazy, what I thought was crazy at the time to like yeah. now truly being like fully in it. Mm. Uh, but that was just like a really natural progression i don't think i like forced any yeah. of that to happen i actually most of the things we do at the shop are things that were asked mm. to be done like mm. the newsletter i had no intention of ever doing a newsletter i didn't think anyone would care yeah uh, and now i send out a weekly newsletter to like two thousand people mm. that all almost all of them read it and open it because you get those analytics as a business owner yeah. which is crazy also because a lot of those things get deleted i think the, oh, yeah. the average open rate is like less than 20% for a yeah. marketing email. I like Googled it when we started because I was like, yeah. I was like, if we're not doing more than 20% open rate, then like I'm not gonna keep doing it. I'm not gonna keep paying for the service. Right. Uh, we get between like 60 and 85% open wow. rate yeah. uh, out of 2,000 emails. I'd say that's pretty good. That is really good. Um, and so, and it's every week and it's a long email. I'm not writing like two <laughs> sentences. It's like a, here's this fun update. Here's all these new products we got. Here's all these events coming up. Here's hmm. some fun facts about Sarah. Like, it's like, a long email and people are actively reading it because you, you also get to know like did they click the link at the bottom yeah right and they are yeah. um, and so like none of that was never the goal like I never wanted to be like writing this thing I mean I love doing it now but mm. it was because I got so many people that were like I'm not on social media quite quick enough your stuff sells out I want to know mm. about it ahead of time and I'm like alright I guess I'll start a newsletter like I yeah sure that's um, wild yeah <laughs> huh the goal was also like two events a month max. Yeah. Originally when we were like, we'll start events, we'll do like two a month, we'll see if they do well. And now I'm like, yeah, we do like anywhere between eight and 10 events a month. I like don't sleep and I'm never home anymore. <laughs> um, uh, man, there's a lot of things I wanted to ask. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're, it probably wouldn't, like you were saying, like, why didn't anybody else do this? It probably wouldn't, it's, it's, it is surprising that it's worked in yeah. Syracuse. And um, only because Syracuse does feel like a, a city where good ideas don't work. Um, <laughs> Sometimes. You know, and we are so far behind the times with a lot of stuff, so maybe that's why, you know, it's, like, worked now, and it yeah. wouldn't have worked six, Wouldn't have worked if I did ago. it a couple years ago. Right. Yeah. Uh, not that, like, a cheese shop is some new, brand-new <laughs> example of something, uh, but... But it does feel that way here. Yeah, right. And I think... So I think that there are a lot of those people. I mean, listen, there were a lot of people that definitely moved to the area from New York City and things like that and downstate during Absolutely. from as a result of the pandemic. And so 
I'm sure it definitely fills that that void. There isn't anything like this that exists. I mean, there's anything in Skinny Atlas. I don't think there's anything in Fayetteville. There's nothing in Casanova. There's know. basically nothing. I drove through all of the neighborhoods when we moved here. Yeah. Like, I spent so much time in the car just driving around trying to see if I could see something that maybe sparked my interest. Any one of those little, like, things that could potentially have a cheese counter, I went in. Yeah. I checked them out. Like, right. I was looking for them actively. The only other one that I know of that does cut-to-order cheese the way we do uh, is out in Oneida. It's Cali 1945. Mm. They are awesome. Uh, Abby Woodcock, the owner over there, is a, like, definite reference tool for me because we kind of both have each other. Mm-hmm. But we're also far enough away that we're not... Yeah. Like competing in the same market. Like right. it's more like, hey, I'm thinking about bringing this product in. Did you bring it in? How did it work over there? Mm. Um, kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, there's so much. Uh, well, how do you balance your relationship with like local cheeses versus things that you're importing from Europe? So, the goal for the shop was to highlight as many local cheeses as possible. So I try to work with local cheesemakers first. If I could fill the case with local, I do. Yeah. Uh, if there's a local version of something I can import, and I think the local version stands up to the imported version, I'm going to bring in the local version. Mm-hmm. Um, like I recently, I will hopefully next week be bringing in Harvest Moon, mm-hmm. which is a Mimolette style from Five Spoke Creamery, which is not quite local, but it is an upstate New York cheese. Yeah. Um, and so I would... I'm going to bring that in instead of bringing in the French mimolette that I've been importing mm. because I would rather highlight this awesome New York state cheese. Yeah. Um, my goal is really also just domestic generally, like mm-hmm. anywhere in the country, because I think a lot of the mentality around cheese is this very Eurocentric view on like cheese is great in Europe. Yeah. And that is sort of old hat. Yeah. Um, cheese has been absolutely the one of the biggest things in the americas in for so long now yeah. we're competing on a national stage as a country uh we've had cheeses win at the world cheese awards and all that kind of stuff which like even mm. 20 15 20 years ago would have been absolutely unheard of um and now we are like competing internationally for cheese uh there was actually just the cheesemonger invitational the cmi masters just happened to send a cheesemonger team to the mondal du fromage in september Mm. uh, which is a big cheesemonger competition in france yeah and so like we are competing as a country Mm. on a national scale for cheese and so i really wanted to highlight that as much as possible yeah Uh, and then i kind of cherry pick my imports Uh, i work with importers that i think only do awesome stuff Uh, So the importers that I work with, I know only bring in the highest quality stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I just want to highlight the things that I think people around here have never had access to. Yeah. So I bring in a lot of like true Netherlands Goudas Mm -hmm. because here we have this like very short-sighted mentality around Gouda of it being like smoked Gouda only. Uh, And so I was like, I want to bring these in because I think that they will expand people's palates a little. Mm. Uh, And then I really wanted to focus on Swiss imports because Mm. I think here also a lot of people are like swiss cheese is that like <laughs> sliced kind of white thing with the holes uh and so they're like i don't like swiss cheese and i have to be like <laughs> does that mean you don't like any cheese from the country of switzerland <laughs> or you don't like specifically like deli slice swiss because that is not the same thing yeah uh and a lot of people were like oh there's more than just deli slice swiss and i'm like well switzerland <laughs> is like one of the largest cheese countries so like yeah kind of uh and so i'm like explaining like alpage cheeses and like how like that Alps works and transhumanants and all that kind of stuff that mm. like doesn't get discussed around here ever. Mm. Uh, and I think that was my goal with the imports. Yeah. Uh, and then occasionally I'll just bring in one because I think it's like super cool and I want people to try it. Yeah. That's wild. 
Uh, all right. So you're coming up on the year. Uh, what do you, what's, what's the next phase of the curd nerd? Oh, the next phase is so many things going on all at once. Uh, we are trying to figure out, uh, how to like expand our event programming, uh, because people are just so into it. And I'm so lucky to have the opportunity to educate about cheese because that's the nerd part of the curd nerd. Yeah. Uh, that's like all I want to do all day. Uh, so that is our like next big goal is to continue to grow that. Uh, mm. And we'd like to try to figure out uh, how to better operate our website so we could do mm. more online ordering stuff mm. uh, because people don't always have time to come hang out with their cheesemonger or people that have like developed relationships with us already know what they want. And I'd like to be able to give them the platform to be able to be like, hey, Sarah, can you just put aside a quarter pound of this, a half pound of this, and an eighth of this, and I'll come pick it up in two hours Yeah, uh, kind of thing. Uh, and then hopefully in the not-so-distant future, we're working on trying to figure out how to ship cheese mm. uh, because that is the big thing people want from us. They want to be able to mm. send their friends and family stuff from here. That's wild. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was not anticipating that even in my wildest dreams when thinking about opening this shop. Yeah. Uh, that was so far from... What I was planning and kind of working on that shipping realm to do more like virtual classes so people yeah. can get online or they can have their family that from out of town take a cheese class with them mm. via Zoom and they can like have that experience together. That'd be cool. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. How did the cocktail thing go? Because you, you made like like pre-batched, you know, Yeah, sort the, of. the cocktail mixers. Yeah. Uh, they're going great. People seem to really like them. I love the Kurtner cocktail mixers. I think that they are such a fun thing. I think we get a lot of people in that are like, hey, I'm making old fashions tonight. Yeah. What cheese to go with it? Uh, and so to kind of give them this like, mm. hey, you could buy this cocktail mixer. It'll say on the bo the bottle already like what cheeses we recommend to go with it. That's cool. Um, and then you can just talk to us and be like, hey, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use specifically tequila with this strawberry basil cocktail mixer. Mm -hmm. Which of these cheeses listed do you think will go best? Yeah. Uh, and sort of helps give us more mm. of a jumping point with our yeah. customers because that is sort of a big question people will stop in and they'll be like i was just at vinomania or the communion mm. or wherever and i bought this bottle of whatever yeah what cheese should i buy to go with it mm. or i'm on my way there i'm gonna buy a beaujolais which cheese am i taking home yeah to enjoy my little wine cheese cocktail night yeah yeah that's really cool yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks Actually, for having me. I have to ask you one last question. Yeah. Uh, David Anastasio asked me to ask all guests this. David owned Peachtree Sandwich Company. Uh, I loved Peachtree. I know. They were really good. Yeah. Um, so the question he wanted me to ask every guest is, why do you do what you do? I do what I do because nothing would ever make me as happy. Uh, <laughs> and I think anyone who comes into the shop and watches me sell cheese to people would see that. Mm -hmm. uh, I really think I we get a ton of positive reviews about like coming into the shop because they're like the atmosphere and the owners and the staff are all so nice and welcoming. Uh, <laughs> truly, everyone that works behind the counter like is having a good time yeah. and loving it, and that's why I do it. And yeah. I do it. I do it specifically. This is going to sound creepy. Um, I do it specifically for the moment when someone tries a new cheese for the first time and it's going to be their new favorite cheese. Mm -hmm. And the look on their face when they put it in their mouth is crazy. <laughs> uh, and that moment, like to have with another person when they say like, oh, I really like cheddar, yeah. whatever. And I'm like, hold on. I have this cheese I think you'll love. And it's something they've never tried before. And they just get to like experience this in front of us. And we are like so grateful 
that people mm. share those kind of emotions with us. Yeah. And that's why I do it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Everybody is listening. Check out The Curd Nerd and Eastwood and uh, check out events and go to the shop and all that fun stuff. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.